Right. So um, we've called this series Cultivate. We're thinking about work, and we, we said that the biblical vision for work is cultivation. We are created to cultivate. Um, this idea that cultivation is caring for and developing God's world for good. We take what God has made and we use it in various ways, in a million different ways, to do good. And we're thinking more about the good bit tonight. But another massive slab of the biblical vision is that the world is cursed. And work is cursed to frustrate us. But work is cursed, but it is not a curse. It is fundamentally good. It is not... God doesn't punish us by giving us work. But part of our punishment for the fall and for our sin is that work is difficult. But it can still be fruitful. And then last time we saw how God looks at our hearts. Um, that as we begin to think, okay, so what is Christian work? What does it mean to do it um, and do good work? Well, first and foremost, it is about our hearts, about our worship. At Babel was a tower that was built and it was genius and it was cultivating and yet they did it to make a name for themselves. But Christ has saved us by grace, not by work. So we're released from the burden of our work being for our salvation, being for our self-realisation because by grace we've been saved and God has prepared in advance by his grace good works for us to do. So now we're liberated from this from having to work to save ourselves and justify our existence. And now we've got these good works that God has prepared for us to do. And we do them for his glory. Um, Ephesians talks about working as unto the Lord, uh, aware that he is watching us. Um, if we're a manager, if we're a boss, um, we, we do that knowing that God is a boss. He's our manager. He's the one who watches over us. So being a Christian begins to shape our hearts, the direction of why and who we're doing our work for. Tonight, uh, this kind of part two of that really, we're thinking about this, being skilled to love. So we've got that, the arrows thing is, okay, now we're doing it for God. We're working for God, the chief cultivator. And now tonight we're going to bring other people into the picture. Okay, we, we want to do it for God, but how do we relate to, how does our work relate to other people? That's what we're thinking about tonight. Now, a common feeling that Christians can have is that our work maybe has um, less value than maybe um, what we might view as more spiritual work or jobs, like being a missionary or something like that. And we, we look at people maybe in full-time ministry or evangelists, and we think, well, are we just filling the time... Is, is our work of lower value? That's certainly a conversation I've had with a few people. So our big question tonight is think about what is good work? What is Christian work that is valuable? So like I said, last week we thought about the heart and how good work in God's eyes is done for him. But tonight I want to focus on not, not just our hearts, but what work? What work is good Christian work? How's it valuable? And the answer, the big thing is love. It's all about love. We use our skills, our roles, whatever they may be in employment or not employed, our work to love others. Now, I often think that, you know, when the Bible talks about love, I'm like, oh, love, it's all a bit like, oh, really nice and a bit wispy and 
thin kind of concept, love. But I've become more and more challenged by the Bible, particularly in preparing for this, that to love is a rich, thick, deep concept that permeates everything about the Christian life. So God's will for your life, your vocation, your job and your time is loving. So, first point, um, as you think about that tonight, is that the Bible calls us to live a life of love. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, please. Live a life of love. Ephesians 5 on page 1176. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So you see that it all starts with God's love for us, as dearly loved children live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us, live a life of love. So if our lives are to be about love, Paul is saying that we won't really get what our lives are about if we don't first understand God's love for us. That's where it all starts. So we're all here and we all want to know how do we work as Christians? How do we use our lives well? The absolute foundation is what God has done for you. You'll never be able to understand God's will for your work before you've stopped and taken hold of the gospel. Christ loved us. How did he love us? The cross. He gave himself up for us. Why did he do that? Well, to be a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That is to turn God's anger at us into the smile of a father. That's the gospel. That's the love of Christ. Okay, so what has that got to do with work? Everything. Because it's when you realise that you are fundamentally a dearly loved child of God that you can then go and live and work wanting to love others. Loved so you can love. We've tasted Christ's love. We've personally experienced something that is just impossible not to want to give away as well. Imagine if uh, Ewan really offended me. Might not have to imagine that hard. But, uh, you know, he called me a pansy southerner or something. I'm from the north, so I'm really, really offended. But um, I'm, I'm nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive you. Now, wouldn't it be awful then if someone offended Ewan if he refused to forgive them, having been forgiven by me? That wouldn't make any sense. Well, have a look at verse 32 of chapter 4, just above. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We've received such kindness, such forgiveness, such sacrificial love. Wouldn't it be awful if then we lived a life of selfishness and not forgiving and not loving? That just wouldn't make any sense, would it? When you've received so much love, it, it melts your heart. It, it gives you an example to go and share what you've received. You see, we've been loved, so we live a life of love. 
uh, the reformer Luther put it like this. Why should I not, therefore, freely, joyfully, with all my heart, with an eager will, give myself as Christ to my neighbour, just as Christ offered himself to me? Since through faith I have an abundance of all good things in Christ. So we can live a life of sacrificial love because of our identity as loved children. Because of our example of Christ, which we've personally experienced. So actually, is the question we um, should ask isn't, okay, what is my job for? But Paul wants us to think actually a lot bigger. Well, what is my life for? And then your, your work falls under that. And the answer is, what is my life about? Well, your life is about love. Because you've been so lavishly loved by God. Have you ever wondered what the purpose of your life is? It's that love, having been loved. Now, it's really important that we, um, we see that there's no sacred and secular divide in work. So no kind of higher and lower levels of work in God's eyes. So Paul doesn't say, well, uh, pastors and evangelists, which he's going to talk about later in Ephesians, they're the ones who really live a life of love. In Luther's day, this is a Reformation time, the priesthood in the Roman Catholic Church as a job had been elevated to this super spiritual level because priests essentially dispensed salvation. They could declare you forgiven. So like the priesthood is like super spiritual. That really, really matters. And everything else is kind of like lower down. But Luther said, no, 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 that's not how it works. He said, all Christians are truly of the spiritual estate, truly living the spiritual life. What is the spiritual life? Living a life of love, flowing from the love we've received. And anyone can get in on that. Any job, any role, if it's in some way seeking to love others and do them good, is a truly good job. You're living a life of love. All Christians, all Christian vocations have the same value. God loves us, so we live a life of love. So before you ask questions of your job, ask questions of your life. Is that what your life is about? Loving others? Gazing at the incredible love of God for you in Christ. Laying down his life for you. And saying, okay God, now I've been freed and forgiven. I want to live a life of free love and generosity to others with everything I do. That's the biggest question that you can take away from this entire series. The most important question. Do you know the love of God yourself? Do you, are you a dearly loved child? And when you know that, is your life about love? Second thing I want to see. God milks cows. He does. Okay. It's important to see how our work of love connects with God's ongoing work of love. So we, we talked about God as the chief cultivator, the worker. Now his work didn't stop at creation, uh, creating the world. He now, God continues to work sustaining the whole world, growing the world, cultivating our life. He gives us food, clothing. He, he helps us get better from illness. He allows us to enjoy things, to be entertained. The Bible talks about God constantly bringing good things to his world. 
Every good thing in this world is from God. Okay, but how does God actually do those good and loving things in our world? The answer is through us, through our everyday work. Luther again, he said, God milks the cows through the vocation of the milkmaid. Milking the cow. But God is providing milk. We, you know, you, you could have a glass of milk and say, thank you, God, for the milk. Well, thank you, God. So it came from God, but somebody milks the cow. God milked the cow through the vocation, through the work of the milkmaid. <coughs> Another way Luther puts it is he talks about the masks of God. <coughs> that behind our work is the kind care of God for humanity. Our work is kind of God's mask, is behind the scenes. He is working to love the world and provide for us. So God gives you bread. Through the vocation of the farmer, the flour grinder, the yeast grower, the baker, and the, the guy at Sainsbury's who sells it to you, except it's the self-checkouty thing. So anyway, but you know what I mean. God grows our economy through the vocation of the banker and the investors and the accountant and the financial regulators. God makes you laugh through the scriptwriter, the director, the set designer, the actor, the TV company, etc., so God takes our everyday work and folds it into his action of loving us. And so when we think about our little bits of vocation, our little roles that we do, especially as Christians when we're awake to God's work, we're seeing that he is loving and we are loving as we, we bless others in whatever way we do it. So working in love is not only about loving your colleagues and that kind of thing, which we, we thought a lot about last time. But I really want you to think about this. The very work you do in some way makes a contribution to the good of society in the world. The very work you do, your role is loving. Whether that's the exploration of knowledge through studying as a student or cooking a meal for your friends or coming to church and clearing up or helping our economy grow or teaching a child to swim. We love, we do good and behind us all playing our little part is God. God milks the cows. Cool, eh? Right, next one. Skilled to love, being skilled to love. So in the Bible, repeatedly, God commands us, as the greatest commandment is to love him and to love our neighbours as ourselves. Okay, Everyone kind of knows that one. We love our neighbour as ourselves. I just want you to stop and think about that command. It's very interesting. He doesn't just say love your neighbour. The kind of guide to push us to maximum love is, well, Treat each other with the care and attention that you would want to give to yourself. There's a dynamic to love as yourself. What happens when you apply that dynamic to your work? I think it drives us to think very carefully about competence and skill to love our neighbours as ourselves. Competence in our roles becomes a way of loving our neighbour as ourselves. Think about it on the flip side. Deliberate incompetence would be unloving, wouldn't it? It's not loving as we would want to be loved ourselves. No one wants something done to them that's kind of half-hearted and shoddy deliberately. You know, no one wants that. I bought some donuts the other day. 
£3.50 for a little bag of donuts. And they were cold. You're like, they're cold. And Vicky likes her donuts, okay? Just so you know. Fresh donuts, she likes them. And she's like, I'm taking them back. We've already eaten three, but it's okay. We're taking them back. Because, you know, it was, and he was like, oh, fine. You know, gave us another bag. I'm like, oh, we'll have another bag. But there was a kind of a half-hearted shoddiness to it that he didn't really care. And, and that annoys us. That's not loving. But it is loving, as we would love ourselves, to do our work as best as we can, as competently as we can, to give, each, give people the best we've got. Competence is, is loving. The author, Dorothy Sayers, puts it like this. The church's approach to an intelligent carpenter, to, to help guide a carpenter, is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisurely hours and come to church on a Sunday. All good things. What the church should be telling him is this, in addition, I'd say, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. What Christianity says to a carpenter is, you should make good tables. A carpenter glorifies God in lots of ways, being hardworking, uh, not swearing or honouring your boss. We thought about that last time. But also he loves by making a good table, being skilled to love, doing the best he can. Tim Keller puts it like this. There may be no better way to love your neighbour, whether you're writing parking tickets, software or books, than to simply do your work. But only skillful, competent work will do. Good Christian work becomes about wanting to do your best. Don't forget week two, though. Work is cursed. Our best will fall short. We'll struggle to do our best. But now we've been saved, God calls us to live a life of love. Where amongst the thorns and the thistles, we do our best to pick out some fruit and give it to people. So each of us, in our different ways, can develop skills of kinds. They may not feel very impressive or significant, but each of us has and can nurture competence, which we can use in whatever measure we have it to do good to others. Whether we're paid to do it or not, we can love with the best we can do. Competence is loving. Now I just want to um, say, as a side thing, where does evangelism sit in all of this, in terms of loving others? I think it's right for us to say that evangelism, telling people about Jesus, is the supreme act of love. You know, To seek to share the good news with people so they can enjoy the eternity of life with Christ and, and escape the horrors of hell... That has got to be our kind of supreme desire for people to hear that. And so to live a life of love means loving in all sorts of different ways. Forgiving people, being gentle, doing a good job. And as Christians, we love by seeking to save people. We thought about that in 1 Corinthians, didn't we? So we love in loads of different ways. And to truly love someone is to serve them through our work and to want to see them saved. Um, I've written a blog post which is going up on the Globe website thinking more about the whole uh, evangelism thing but also the should we all quit our jobs and become missionaries kind of idea. So you can think about that a little bit more. Let me tie this all together before we do our studies. What difference does all this stuff about <coughs> working well to love, what difference does it make to maybe the question of our choice of work? Um, Tim Keller again. I'm going to put half the quotes on the screen for you. 
I'm just going to read it first, uh, a little bit first. Um, the question regarding our choice of work is no longer what will make me the most money and give me the most status. The question must be, how, with my existing abilities and opportunities, can I be of greatest service to other people, knowing what I do of God's will and of human need? That's the kind of big question to ask of your roles in life. How, with my existing abilities and opportunities, can I be of greatest service to other people, living a life of love, knowing what I do of God's will and of human need? Now, there's a very important thing I want you to notice there, that this will be different for different people. Notice it says, with my existing abilities and opportunities. Because we've all got different skills and different abilities and different opportunities. Some of us have health challenges and things like that, which means we can't all do the same work or even the same amount of work. And that's okay. That's okay. That's the beauty of the freedom that God gives us. There isn't in the Bible a list of jobs that are kind of super spiritual. And if you do these ones, he's just going to be really disappointed in you. This is a really liberating vision to say, in some ways, the question is quite simple. God wants you to ask yourself, ask of your capacity, ask of your individual abilities, what can you do to love others the most? That's the question we ask. What can you do to love others the most? Now, it may be that this is challenging to you. It may be that you can do more, uh, can be more loving with your time, more loving with the choice of work that you choose, given your abilities and skills. Don't be scared of those challenging questions of how can I love better and more where I am or maybe in a different capacity. These are good questions. But we start with this. We've been immensely loved by Christ and now he calls and empowers us to live lives and to do work that is as loving as possible. Which I think is an exciting vision. And he helps us do it. So let me pray. And then you're going to spend some time chewing this over in your small groups. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Christ, that he gave himself in sacrificial, painful love for our good, to bring us back to you, to forgive us for all the wrong we've done, to rescue us from hell, to give us heaven, to give us you. And this new purpose for our lives, to live a life of love. Lord, thank you that... You give us all dignity. You treat us all with equal dignity and care as your children. There's not one of us in this room who can't live a life of love and use our nine to five in whatever way to love others. Lord, push us and prod us where we need it. Affirm us and comfort us in what we're doing where we need it. I pray now that we would really help each other to think deeply about this incredible vision to glorify you by being a blessing to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.